Welcome to Park City's Presbyterian Church. If you would stand for the reading of the word, we're studying the life of King David. We come to a point in King David's life, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, where having been king over the southern tribe, his home tribe of Judah, for now about seven years, the men of Judah had acknowledged David as the king following the death of Saul. But now, interestingly, the men of the northern kingdom, the tribe of Benjamin and Ephraim and all the other northern tribes, come to make David the king over the northern tribes as well, and thus all Israel. And this is the brief story of that coronation. 2 Samuel 5. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In time past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel." David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. And then verse 10, and David became greater and greater, for the Lord God of hosts was with him. And then verse 12, and David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Today we look at the culmination of the rise of David. We look at David's rise against the background of Saul's demise. We saw that last week. We saw where Saul had finally been rejected of the Lord, finally in spite of all of his desperate pleas and all of his pathetic reprobation, Saul found the home he sought, and that was in a suicidal death to go to the land of the dead. Without God, without hope, lost forever. One of the saddest sermons I think I've ever been asked to preach. Now we look at David. And the natural man wants to immediately say, well, David was a much better person than Saul, and therefore David goes to heaven when he dies. Nothing could be further from the truth. The rise of David is a story of almost every sin that you can possibly imagine committed by David or his men under his charge. And the story of David's sinfulness did not end when he was crowned king. As we will see as we look through the rest of the story of David in 2 Samuel in the few weeks ahead before Easter, we'll be seeing that David was involved in quite a few things that were undoubtedly sins before God. David was not 
anointed by the Lord, chosen by the Lord, equipped by the Lord, redeemed by the Lord because he was a good man. David was a sinner. A real, bona fide, certified, registered, recorded, documented sinner. I'm glad that there's no such documentation on my life like poor David had on his. David had been through just about everything you can imagine since the day he was anointed as a boy by Samuel. He had defeated Goliath with the sling and the smooth stones. He had served in the court of Saul, playing the harp and soothing the troubled soul of Saul. He had become Saul's chief warrior, leading his men. He had gone out and brought in a bride price of 100, actually doubled it to 200 foreskins of the Philistines to win Makkah as his bride. A young man, probably not 20 years old or so, macabre, a teenage girl, beautiful and in love, both of them, but a terrible, terrible history there. Saul's jealous jealous wrath poured out upon David several times, and one time he almost pinned him to the wall. But David managed to escape, and in his escape he he ran to Nob, and, and there got the priest in trouble. When Saul came looking for him because the priest had given David a break, he killed him. Saul killed the priest at Nob, and David felt responsible for that because he had given them up. He ran to Jonathan, his close and personal friend. David's best friend was the heir of the Benjaminite throne. He was Saul's son, and yet he and David had a wonderful relationship. And he fled, he fled to Samuel seeking solace and couldn't find anything other than the prophet's word that the Lord would be with David and protect him. That was really all that Samuel could offer. He had spared Saul's life twice. We've gone over those stories. The story we didn't go in was later when David had an opportunity when he was running his protection game in the Negev in in the wilderness of Judea. He had protected a very wealthy, probably the wealthiest man in that part of the world had protected him and his sheep and his herdsmen. And that man treated him with contempt and awful, awful treatment. And David got his men together and was going to go kill the guy. David had murder in his heart and he was ready to go, but he was stopped by the man's wife, Abigail, who, who beseeched David to not do that which was in his heart, and that is kill her foolish husband. Leave that in the hands of the Lord. And he did. And Nabal died not long after. The Lord had delivered David time and again. You remember the one time they were pinned in on the mountain and militarily it was hopeless and just when Saul was about to close in the ranks and kill David and his men, the Philistines were attacking a city and Saul had to leave and had to take the army to go fight the Philistines and David once again escaped. Time and again he escaped down to Ziklag. He escaped with the Philistines. There were time and time again when he was delivered and his testimony in chapter 4, verse Nine is, as the Lord lives, the Lord who has redeemed my life out of every adversity. David had experienced the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forbearance of God, the long-suffering of God, the protection of God, the care of God. No wonder he'll write, the Lord is my shepherd. But David was was a sinful man. And he tried his best to be upright. And the Lord granted him maturity as the years went along and he advanced quite a bit in his sanctification. 
But David needed grace. David needed redemption and salvation from the Lord, not because he was a worthy person, not because he was a good person, not because he had killed a giant, not because he had done good works, not because he was a capable person, and not because he had sung beautiful songs and was the sweet psalmist of Israel and had written basically the prayer book and the hymn book of Israel, which he would complete throughout his life. None of these things merited any favor before the Lord. David was in the very midst of the human condition and he walked in the very pathway of depravity like every human being that's ever lived. In fact, the, the last few days of, uh, of, of the story between the time that Saul died and the time that David was a, a crowned king in Hebron and then here were bloody days. There were assassinations and there were uh, executions. David tried to justify the executions of people who had executed and assassinated others. But it was a bloody time. It was a savage time. The Amalekite that brought the word of Saul's death was executed. Abner, Saul's general, who had sworn his allegiance to David, and David had made peace with him when he left Joab's, Joab, David's armor-bearer and general of his forces, hunted him down personally personally and killed him. Ishbosheth, the son of Saul that had survived, that was to become the king of Israel by the old Saul dynasty. And he did, with the help of Abner, reign for a while, a couple of years. He was killed by David's men. Struck down with an ambush in his own house. The men that came to tell about the death and brought the head of Ibosheth to David, Ishbosheth to David. They were killed by David. There was treachery, murder, adultery, anger, depression, sorrow, grief, turmoil, wickedness in David's life all these days. So why in the world would the Lord even think about someone like David? Well, Paul, in the book of Romans, when he starts his great treatise on salvation, says this. This is the very opening verse. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which He promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son. So far it sounds exalting, doesn't it? Wonderful, God planning this and promising it in these holy prophets and these holy Scriptures, and it's concerning His Holy Son, Jesus Christ, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Why in the world would David want to, would, would Paul want to mention David? Well, it's because David might be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, trophy of grace in God's lineup. God had saved David in and from and through a horrible sinful life. 
He had picked David up out of a miry pit and set him upon a rock and established his goings. And it put a song in David's heart, a song of salvation to the Lord. And this is David's testimony. The Lord has redeemed me out of every adversity. Notice he didn't say the Lord has rescued me. Now that would be legitimate. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But he says the Lord has redeemed me. Rescue, it involves an effort. Redemption involves a purchase price. The Lord had paid a price to redeem David. David sang the song of the redeemed. He sang about blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sins are covered. Read the Psalms one after another and you'll you'll hear the heart of David. And it is a rejoicing heart. It's a grateful heart. It's a repentant heart. It's a confused mind sometimes. It's It's a spirit of vindictiveness at times. It's a It's a a slaw of despond and despair at times. The whole range of human emotions can be found in the Psalter, one psalm after another. This was David's life. David wrote his life under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, and that's Israel's prayer book and Israel's hymn book. And David's life story viewed from the outward, is that David became greater and greater. More righteous, more godly, more in wisdom, doing more and more the will of God, pushing the kingdom of God further and further along with with outstanding pivotal points. It was David that established Zion, the city of God in in, uh, Jerusalem. It was David that established Israel as the greatest power on earth that King Solomon, his son, took. And during those years, Israel was the greatest nation on earth. They occupied land from the Euphrates River to the Nile. Think about it. That was Israel in the days, the last days of David in the days of King Solomon. A great nation. God had given David capacities and given him abilities and helped him and and, and redeemed him and worked with him and, and, and made him into that man that could be called great. God lifted him up. He helped him along. He moved him. He empowered him. He enthused him. He informed him. And God's Holy Spirit came upon David that David knew he if ever reached a point where the Lord's Spirit would depart, he would be nothing. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, he prayed. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, David cried. That's what made David the man he was. He was a saved man. He was a redeemed man. He was a man that God had placed his affection upon and God had poured out his spirit upon, but he was also a man that God had given his only son to redeem and to die in his place and to atone for him. It says, David became greater and greater. Verse 10, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. That was actually the fulfillment of the Old Testament covenant. The main thing God promised his people from the days they brought them out of Egypt was, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Wherever you go, I'll be with you. He didn't say, I'm going to keep you from having any troubles in your life at all. That's not what the Lord said. The Lord said, I'll be with you. 
I'll be with you. I'll be right there. I'll redeem. I'll save. I'll rescue. I'll strengthen. I'll give you the grace and the strength to go through it. I'll be with you. David would say, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. That's what David had. David had the promise of the covenant of God to be with him in his life. And David lived a life of faith. Believing God's promise that God would be with him. And David's testimony is that the Lord was with him. One other little verse before we're through here in this passage, verse 12. And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. Now that's true of David, isn't it? The Lord had, had anointed him, gifted him, called him, enabled him, trained him, done everything you could possibly imagine to establish David as Israel's king. He was founded, established. The Lord told him in promise, and we'll study this a little later on, how God gave him a a promise that his dynasty would be an eternal dynasty, a dynasty that would never end, that there would always be a king of the lineage of David to sit upon the throne of Israel, and then one day there would come a king that would sit upon the throne of David forever, an eternal dynasty the Lord promised him. The Lord had established him king and he had exalted his kingdom. The kingdom, as I mentioned before, had spread. It was incredible what King David was able to do in his, in his 40 years of reigning in terms of, of having an expanded kingdom, a bigger kingdom and a better kingdom than could possibly Israel could possibly have ever known and ever imagined. But notice what it says, he did this for the sake of his people, Israel. There's another one of those phrases. Oh, he's talking about David. But listen to this and think about Christ. For the Lord established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people That's Christ. In fact, that's what we just read about a moment or two ago when we were looking at our our, uh, confession. Peter's sermon. He says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. There's the establishment of the kingdom. There is God ordaining planning, purposing, according to the purposes of His grace, Paul will write over and over in the book of Ephesians, how that God had a plan and a purpose. He purposed it. He established it. He founded salvation's plan that that Christ would come in the lineage of David, as Paul says, according to the flesh. And that means the flesh. That means the messy, dirty, sinful, depraved, hopeless flesh. That's the condition of humanity. The condition into which Adam fell and all men and women since have been born into that condition. Jesus comes and takes on the humanity of that condition, but not the depravity. And Jesus atones for their depravity. Notice the text that 
we just quoted a few minutes ago. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. The crucifixion of Christ was the deed committed by the awfulest of sinners. And if we could have been there that day, we would have been in that crowd. We thought he was smitten of God. We, we thought he was dying for his own transgressions. But, but no, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. Our sin was placed upon him. And then it said, God raised him up. The Old Testament text said, the kingdom under David was lifted up. It was exalted. That's Christ. He's exalted. He's exalted in his resurrection. He's exalted in his ascension. He's exalted in his enthronement. He is exalted in his triumphant return back to earth to take his people. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also, Jesus promised. And that is the hope that one day we will be with Him for all eternity. That was King David's salvation. That's how David was redeemed. How are you redeemed? By your good works? By the life you live? Or you're looking to another, greater David's greater son, Jesus Christ, who really fulfilled all of that which was missing and longing and all that expectation and all of that, that, that need that was in the human condition. Christ came and took upon himself the descendancy of David and died to bring its eternal life and rose again from the grave. David lived by the gospel. There's a difference between Saul's demise and David's rise. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. David believed it. He trusted. He hoped in it. And the Lord bestowed it. That's what grace is. It's a bestowal. It can be yours today. Ask. Ask. Knock. Seek. You will not be turned away.